podcast where two experts share their experience and education to answer your fitness, training, and nutrition questions. I'm Leah, and I am an expert in cycling, having ridden two years with the professional team Canyon SRAM. Prior to that, I was an elite marathon runner, and now I am a coach. And I'm really just wondering how many people out there are having withdrawals from the experts after us taking a week off to deal with the election, which we could lunge into, but we probably won't. We probably shouldn't. We're definitely not experts (laughs) in that department. Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure the candidates are either sometimes. but That's sadly so true. And I'm Lori. I'm an expert in sports nutrition and fueling athletes to get the most out of their food intake and health and performance. You didn't have a special extra funny in there. Uh, I don't, I feel like I'm lacking funny. I guess today I feel like I'm an expert at baking because I just did like loads of cookies. I have a loaf of bread in the oven right now. So I just like really devoted myself to the kitchen today. That sounds amazing. I probably have spared myself serious COVID weight gain by not fixing my oven because I can only imagine (laughs) the stress baking. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's been rough. Um, Yeah, I'm not going to get into the weight right now. But yes, I've definitely experienced a little increase. And it's okay, though, because my husband is 6'5 and an athlete. And I like kid you not, I didn't even have all of the cookies baked and half the batch was consumed already. (laughs) Like, I don't even know how it happens. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, men, some some men, I guess not all men, but men more often than women seem to have just that insane metabolism that it's just like, how come you can eat that? And you won't even be bloated tomorrow, right? Like, I would unfair. at least get bloated the next day. Like it might, if I just had a massive cookie binge one day, I don't think it would probably impact my weight too much because I don't do that all the time, but I would definitely wake up puffy. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm not going to say that doesn't happen to men. I just feel like they don't give a shit. And, like, we're going to bitch about it, it because we're so, like, in tune with our bodies. And men are just like, yeah, whatever. It's fine. But I feel like a, uh, I don't know. Maybe I just – I feel like you could be a bloated man and not look terrible. And when I wake up in the morning and I'm, like, bloated from something I ate whether it was just horrendously full of sodium or a whole bunch of junk like like after the weekend at camp (laughs) oh gosh I'm just like bags under my eyes my face looks two pounds heavier yes yes I'm like I feel like I don't tend to see bloated men they just you know I think women our hormones make us more susceptible Mm. to tiny changes like men can kind of go up and down a lot better and not feel those immediate effects. But women, any like little change or not little, but like a big jump like that in diet or exercise or anything really affects, like throws everything off out of whack. So it's, it's just unfair. Um, Yeah. So unfair. It's so unfair. Talk about while we're on this tangent, let's go ahead and ride this out. Let's talk about, the unfair things I'm not I mean we could uh, we could do a whole podcast on the unfair (laughs) things about like parody and sport but I'm just talking about parody and shaving oh gosh how did we get so screwed in that department because somewhere 
back in the beginning of time, whoever decided that like, it's not acceptable for women to have hairy legs. I mean, I know some people will argue that whatever. I'm not trying to get into a feminist thing. But right. Sure. I don't really know the history of that. Like yeah. what, what did happen to where that took, like, I don't understand. And I just want to say like, to all to all of our two male listeners out there um we're not hating on you we love you but these are the facts <laughs> yeah we're just jealous it's we're just, just like so you, jealous. you have to shave your face and if you opt not to you probably still some of you look fine as hell with a little scruff and a beard and all that mess there's no woman out there like there's probably men that don't mind a woman with hairy legs but there's no guy out there that I've ever met that's just like I love I love a girl with just like thick like hair. <laughs> I just I really that's such a turn on. Like, you know, I mean if you if you like to go oh natural, do your thing. I'm not yeah, on you. Definitely. But I'm just saying I think most guys like a smooth legged girl. I, I think mean, most I girls don't even like know. Right. That's girl. what I was gonna say. Like I, I don't <laughs> even know. I haven't I have never actually honestly asked a man like, hey, would you care if my legs were like hairy for a while because it gets soft and everything. And it's not really like, yeah. you know, it's not a big deal, but I don't want that. Like I, I shave my arms, I shave my legs and I don't. Yeah. Like I'm not into the hairiness. I think oh we God. do have a connection with the men's cyclists though, because they do tend to shave so yeah, that they feel true. our pain. But another thing, and if this is, uh, you know what, if this is TMI for you, this isn't the podcast for you. But <laughs> what about like the shaving of your lady bits? Because, okay, I think most people in this day and age prefer not necessarily like the bald eagle, but like a trimmed, a manicured lawn. I feel like the women. bush is making a comeback, but I'm going to say that definitely like if you're a guy out there listening, manicure yourself, like take the time. Absolutely. Do it. But. But here's what my point was, that if you, like, as a female cyclist, it can be extremely problematic to try to keep things very groomed, like, ingrown hairs. Yes. Or, like, bike shorts. From yes. Double down like, the there. day after shaving, if you shave and get right on the bike, like, it is not fun. And men, if they groom it, it's just, like, sitting all up out of the business. That doesn't touch the saddle. <laughs> like, it's just out of the way. we're so so gypped when it comes to things like that in life and like makeup who decided way back when that women looked better with makeup on men don't have to wear makeup some do and some look better than me in it and that just makes me (laughs) I think with makeup yeah it's such a this is so off topic but let's roll with it Um, yeah we're just rolling with it we deserve this we do it's been a rough week um you know I think makeup is such a skill (laughs) like I don't do it and I I put mascara on and sometimes I like use the eyebrow mascara right like whatever that's called eyebrow gel I just don't have the talent I see people like doing the face contouring I there's no way like I use my fingertip if I put eyeshadow on like I don't have the patience I don't have the skill not to mention if you're a super active person and I know there's people I know this is not universal but for me and I feel like most of the people I'm close to we're highly active at least once a day and sometimes twice and I can't even 
for one, I, I don't have the skills either. I've had someone professional put makeup on me before and I'm like, oh, so I can actually wear makeup without looking like a fool, but I cannot, I don't have those techniques down. And if I were to put on like the contouring girl like yeah I would, to, to sweat that stuff off and then it's just like having to do an extra face wash if you're going to go exercise or else like having cream colored face <laughs> stuff just dripping down your bra like I, I just I can't oh my gosh one time I, I got one time in my life I got a spray tan like I tried it mm. and then I didn't realize like you you these beauty techniques I feel like are for women who do not workout because two days later I exercised and I was just orange everywhere on my like athletic clothes was just dripping with orange and it was just like how does anyone do this like do you just sit on the couch all day and like not like how I just don't understand I don't know even things like I bought there was a sale and we are so tangent but it's okay somebody's gonna love it somebody's gonna tune out and that's fine you can come back next week just press the fast forward button a few times if you want to skip the rambling it's fine but I bought like a um oh what's it called a micro needling treatment for my face like this girl I know who does and they do the Botox and they do the peels and all that stuff and she's having this sale and I was like oh I've always wanted to try this micro needling I'm in it so I ordered a few different things and I've yet to use it partially because COVID happened and they closed down for a while and I just have forgotten. But it was like, she said that I should come and do it someday when I'm probably not going to be like super active for two or three days. And I'm just like, okay, so basically never. Right. Like, how do you schedule like, that in? Like, I, right. or if I'm going to schedule a it rest in, week like, okay, and you have to do a- all these things. Yeah. And then you've got like a face that looks like a tomato. So you're like, oh, don't mind me. I just had a little, uh, just a little micro needling. Oh, goodness. But as I'm going to segue to get us on track, because as we are sitting here talking about all of this, I happen to glance down and I have a burp. Nope. I'm going to contain it. Um, <laughs> at all, I thought I was going to just like expose myself here. Um I saw on our question, it's not a direct tie-in. Yeah, we have a relevant question to this ramble. We do. Why is it so painful to ride a bike on my nether region? And what tips do you have to prevent this? So we may or may not have addressed one reason. Yeah, don't shave right away. (laughs) Yeah, or it it could, I mean, and honestly, we've had forums on some of the um, Zwift pages for on Facebook that the women have gotten into these heavy discussions about if you have slightly lopsided mm. labia yes for lack of any other I mean that's what hey. it is I don't yep. know why right. you know what we don't it's have to talk like part. we're in third we grade it's it. anatomy it's lady bits but mm. like and then if you shave the chafage from one side to the other mm-hmm. this person may be talking about their sit bones but if you're talking about like your labia and your lady bits you might just want to consider that 70s fresh fro for a minute and a little extra cushioning yeah <laughs> might be the way to go tell your boyfriend or husband or girlfriend uh, you're so sorry but it's for your athletic performance let it go yeah I mean, this is such, I know it sounds funny and we're tackling it with some humor, but it is such a common question, especially for people who are new, men and women who are new to cycling. 
it takes some getting used to. It takes an adjustment to, you know, just like a runner, your your feet might hurt at first because you're just getting used to that impact. Like you yeah. are sitting on a hard saddle. It's going to not feel super pleasant at first. And but there are definitely ways to deal with it. So, you know, taking care of, you know, grooming, position, saddle makes probably the biggest difference, I would argue. Um, and that's such a common question. And it's such a personal thing. Like, I think the two things with a saddle are don't, says the person who hates to shop, <laughs> but don't buy one in a super hurry. And also get a fit. Like, make sure your bike fit is, there it is. <laughs> Make sure your bike fit is good and try different saddles and know that you should be able to differentiate between I'm adjusting to more time on the bike and I'm kind of, you know, maybe I have a little bit of numbness, but tolerable or a little bit of soreness, but it's tolerable versus pain. Right. You shouldn't be in pain. If you're on the bike an extended period of time, it's normal that it'll get a bit uncomfortable, but you shouldn't be feeling like you're tearing a muscle or some other kind of just extreme discomfort. Yeah, absolutely. And it's definitely, you know, you have to consider transitioning to maybe road to gravel or to mountain or right now this time of year, it's to the trainer for most cyclists. And I definitely feel a bigger impact on the trainer because you're just more stationary. You're not like getting out of the saddle, you're positioning. My positioning on the trainer is usually a little bit more like upright. Um, So I'm not like down in the drops and racing. So it's a different feel. And I definitely, you know, know that when I start on the trainer, the first few weeks, it's going to be an adjustment of being a little bit more uncomfortable, having an extra sore or two, um, and I definitely go through more chamois cream in the winter. Yeah. I also think that when it comes to the trainer, there's a few things people don't think about. And one is that when you're outside, even if you're not consciously changing your position, the terrain will cause you to change position. So your body is like not, I mean, I'm not talking about big movements, but you might, you might get up on the hoods if you're climbing. And then if you're on the flat, you make it down and then drop on the trainer. You tend to just stay on your hoods. You don't have that hip shifting that you would just caused by the difference in the terrain that you're riding outdoors. You probably don't, unless you consciously think about it or you're racing, you probably don't get out of the saddle very often. Like you might, if you were outside. So those are some things that if you just consciously kind of tell yourself, every 10 or 15 minutes, I'm going to spend, you know, 10, 15 seconds or whatever you need out of the saddle and shift my position. Or maybe you're going to get down in your drops, which feels a little awkward on the trainer, but just to move those pressure points around. And as we're getting into winter and some people are going back into lockdown in certain parts of the world, maybe coming to the U S who knows. But um, if you're going to be spending hours on the trainer, give yourself the freedom to take a bathroom break or a snack break or a coffee stop, even if that means walk into your kitchen. I just think it's something that you would find completely acceptable if you were outside. But when you're on the trainer, you get locked in this mentality of like, I'm doing three hours and I'm just going to sit here on the trainer. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't always, I mean, sometimes, but most often if I'm doing like a group ride, that's three hours long at some point, 
we're stopping for someone to use the bathroom, for someone to fill their water. So you don't have to do those things if you don't have to go to the bathroom, like, and you have your water sitting right there. So maybe just like block it into your training. Like, okay, I'm going to ride an hour and a half and then I'm going to take a quote unquote coffee stop and I'm going to get up, stretch my legs, like just to give yourself that break because you would do it if you were riding outside. And even if you didn't take an extended like planned stop outside, like think of not many people can go for a three hour ride without a single traffic light and just standing there for a minute, you know, unclipped. So you are always going to be transitioning into the saddle, out of the saddle and having those more even like tiny bike movements when you're outside. So yeah, absolutely give yourself that freedom when you're inside to change up your position. Um, And then I do think a good quality chamois cream makes a big difference. Do you have um, any recommendations? This is not a sponsor plug. I'm just yeah, no, I'm not sponsored <laughs> by a chamois cream. Um, Asos, I really, I really like, yeah. and that's only because my husband orders it in bulk. Like he seriously orders like six tubs at a time, and I just steal one of them. <laughs> um, I mean, not a bad plan. You can probably get some sort of discounted deal if you do that. Maybe. maybe yeah, exactly. Like, he just orders, like, the big case of it from uh, overseas. And it's like, oh, great. So I just sneak one away. And it lasts me. Like, one tub will last me the whole winter. I don't use a ton of it, but it definitely helps. Yeah, for sure. My favorite used to be Ruby's Lube. I don't know if they make it anymore. It's this stuff that I was given after one of my surgeries to put on my armpits so they wouldn't chafe from crutching for 12 weeks Hmm. and it smelled like lemongrass it was a little bit greasy but it was the best but like I guess somebody bought the company I'm not sure if you can still find it anymore but I'll just I'll throw it out there anyway Ruby's Lube only online as far as I know I've heard great things about ASOS and I think I've used it once and have zero complaints but yeah definitely get some good chamois cream Yeah, so to sum this up, grooming habits, positioning, bike fit, saddle choice, and chamois cream. Yeah. Great. That that, Yeah, that about covers it. And I'm going to take a, we're going to do a quick like five second intermission here so that I don't disrupt the conversation while I pour some rice into a pot. (laughs) Okay, we're done. I don't know if this is going to cause some uh, some strange racket in the background, so I'm just going to go ahead and call it out. I'm cooking yeah, my dinner fine. while we're talking. You know, it's this is a this is a multitasking kind of world. So. Yeah, I actually have to run to the oven in like a few minutes to turn <laughs> off the oven so my bread doesn't actually burn. Um, and this is a good time to interject that like we're doing this for fun to share our expertise to like help answer some questions and. We're not in a studio. We're in our homes. I was just going to say, our... spoiler alert, if it wasn't already apparent, we're doing this right. very low budget. Right. Like, this is low budget, recorded on our phones. We are super happy to be doing it. And it's a fun, fun yeah. hobby. And, you know, maybe in the future, we will get more professional. But right now, yeah. you're just going to have to deal with some think... daily life aspects. I think we're going to be, I think we're being smart about it. I mean, I'm happy to continue doing this as long as we have any amount of interest or, and, or we are still having fun. And right now we're still getting questions from people and we're still enjoying it. So 
if that goes on for a certain period of time, I think we'd both be willing to invest in something, but it's just like everybody and their dog has a podcast these days. I want to make sure that people think what we're saying has value beyond just us. And then, you know, we can, yeah. We can take it and we, we want it to be it authentic and you know, you're getting a look, a part of this is us sharing our expertise and experience. And this is our experience of making it work. And sometimes making it work is recording a podcast while you are boiling some rice and baking bread zesting some lemon right yeah (laughs) if you hear some random noises in the background that's just my culinary expertise (laughs) so you're welcome so skilled yeah so what do we got for um questions next all right so next question and this will be this will be a good one um CBD seems to be in everything lately, especially products marketed to athletes. Should I use this? What does it actually do? Good question. Yeah, good question Um, because it's super relevant. And this person is absolutely right. CBD does seem to be in everything. Like it's in water, it's in lotion, it's in cookies. Like I I feel like I can't go a day without seeing CBD something. Yeah. So to that point, I think what I was going to say is like, let me say up front, first of all, I'm a fan of CBD. Um, I think, and I wouldn't say you have to do a ton of research, but if you want to try it, do, do your diligence, do a little bit of research to make sure that you're getting, well, first of all, I don't buy the CBD water. It's like (laughs) $6 a can. If you're going to do it, come on. But I personally use iCore, shameless plug for them, but they're, they're not paying me or asking me to do that. But um, they have a topical, they have an ingestible, they have a daily capsule. I've found really positive results from it. And I know that they are a company that batch tests every bit that goes out to ensure that there's no THC in there, which I don't have a problem with THC, to be honest, but as a competitive athlete, you have to have a problem with it to a degree. Right. <laughs> and that's out of competition. You don't want to, you don't want to muck with, a, if there's a company that you're not sure there shouldn't, they're separate. There should not be THC in CBD products, but go with whichever brand you choose. Just check with them how they are verifying if you're a competitive athlete, if you're not, then shoot, if you can find the CBD with THC, go for it. <laughs> but if, you, if you're an athlete that it would get you in trouble or restrict you, or you just are not wanting to ingest any of, you know. Some... Yeah, that's a really, those are some really good points um, to clarify. CBD is not THC, so it, it does not give you a high. Um, they are different substances and, yeah. <laughs> and right. Um, you don't want the THC and there are products out there that are tainted with THC. So you do have to be really careful if you're a competitive athlete. You know, I don't think that it's an amount that would you mess with your lifestyle if you weren't really looking to ingest it. But at the same time, it has happened And if you're being drug tested for work, for athletic purposes, whatever, you know, you do want to make sure that your CBD is tested by a third party, Um, one for the THC and also for the content of CBD, because it was actually found that over 26% of brands that were tested in this big study had less 
CBD in it than stated on the label. So they're lying yeah. to you and they're not giving you, you know, it is a supplement. So it's not super well regulated um, in the U.S. anyway. And I think that's something to really remember that just because it says it's something doesn't mean it actually is. Always look for something that is tested or verified by a third party. Um, yep. And also, so CBD, it's, I'm not for or against it. I'm just cautious because I don't, there, there is no uh, research that shows a dosage. And I think that's always really like fuzzy when you're looking at something to take for performance. You know, if you're looking at caffeine or protein, there's always a recommendation. And with CBD, it's like super unknown. There are actually no studies out there, like actual peer-reviewed scientific studies that link CBD directly to performance. But there is research that links it to indirect components of performance, like helping reduce anxiety and helping yep. reduce soreness. So those are big things that could yeah, potentially I don't think, I help. Don't even, sorry. I just, I, I don't think I've even heard anyone say that they think it boosts performance. It's more of a anxiety reducing inflammation reducing. And um, like, if you need help sleeping, it's, it's good for that. And I, I can't, give you some studies have been done but I'm just speaking from personal experience I have found it to be helpful as somebody who I spent 10 years taking 10 milligrams of Ambien every night to go to sleep and I'm not going to tell you that overnight I dropped the Ambien I picked up CBD and I slept like a baby but I chose to want to get off the prescription med and with a combination of time plus CBD plus occasional melatonin plus lavender I mean a variety of things but part of that regiment was CBD so do I give it sole credit no do I think it helped me absolutely yeah I do think it can definitely be a more natural remedy for people who I mean right now I think all of us are suffering from a bit of anxiety and it's been a crazy year so a little CBD yeah right (laughs) it's not gonna hurt you know like it's it's pretty, I I haven't seen anything that shows that it isn't safe, but I wouldn't just like consume it in anything. Um, So I would just try to be a little specific with it. So, you know, know what your goal is. Are you trying to take it before bed? Are you trying to take it after a workout for recovery? Don't do it all, you know, try to specify what you're taking. And then also it really does depend on again to that note like what your goal is and what method or vehicle you know you're taking it in are you vaping because a cbd vape is going to deliver yeah and that'll deliver a dose in like 10 minutes so if you're looking for acute like you've got some back pain after a ride or a run or something and you just need that hit immediately a vape might be your best bet for that whereas you know ingesting it in like an edible form might take a couple hours might you know so 60 minutes later and the vape is going to hit you quick and leave you quick so if you don't want that lasting effect again that might be your better option whereas if you want something to eat something and have it you know work for about three or four hours later so sleeping or just generally like relaxing later in the evening that might be your best bet and if you're looking for you know 
muscle soreness, then ingesting it might not be your best bet, but use a topical and, you know, use a cream. So there are different delivery methods that are going to help with different goals. So don't just consume it just because it's everywhere and you end up taking a CBD water and a CBD tincture and a CBD like (laughs) recovery shot and a CBD bath at night. Like just give yourself like a specific goal and then see how that works for you. Right. Because that's another thing that I've fallen victim to, not even necessarily with CBD, but it's like when you're trying to fix something. And I think as athletes, we can get almost to this state of desperation where maybe you've got some sort of, it's not quite an injury yet, but it's a nagging thing. And so it's like, you try everything at once and then it's like, okay, well, did the CBD really work for you? Like, because you didn't try it. So I think to Lori's point, choose one thing that you can try and see if you notice a marked difference. And also you can look for products that, you know, nothing is not many there's, there's, I guess there's capsules and vapes and whatever, but there are also a lot of things like the topical that I use. It also has, turmeric in it. It also has cayenne in it. So you can find things that have other things so that you might think, well, is this going to do something? I'm not hundred percent sure, but it's got other things in it that I know are good for me. So you can at least know you're getting a benefit. Like, are you getting a massive benefit from CBD? Probably maybe, but there's also, it's also something that's good for you regardless. Right. Absolutely. How's your bread? I'm just taking it. Can you hear the oven? <laughs> I hear yeah. you moving. I'm sorry. It's so loud. <laughs> um, it looks great, actually. I've been baking a lot of gluten-free bread lately, and mm. I think I've become pretty good at it. I actually just started a gluten-free sourdough starter. I'm really excited about it. I hope it turns out. Um, I would definitely I've, eat that. Yeah, I've never tried that before, uh, so we'll see. It'll be ready in, like, you know, it takes a good week to get it going to be able to use it, but... This is just like a normal loaf and it looks delicious. I'm really excited because the weather here, I don't know what it's like by you, but it was like 70 degrees yesterday and it is 30 and raining and snowing today. Like I grow, right? So, but honestly, like I was so into fall, like we had a week or so of beautiful fall weather. And today I'm like, why is my air conditioning back on? Why? is it, why am I sweating a puddle during my Zwift race again? Like I, it's November. I, I don't want snow or freezing temperatures, but I also really don't want 70 degrees right now. Yeah. I feel like it's just been up. <laughs> like the last week was crazy. We had, I think we might've even hit 80. I mean, it was just so warm. And then all this mm-hmm. week is like 30 degrees again. So I'm ready for a hard pass yeah, and all of that. Right. <laughs> Ugh, Minnesota. Oh, what a bunch of BS. <laughs> Are you near the questions? I think we're ready for another yeah, one. Yeah, but sure. I'm over in the kitchen. I got it. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> Teamwork makes the dream. That's work. right. All right. Next question. Hi, experts. Why, hello. Hi. How how do you know? Thank you for addressing this. I I feel very honored. We appreciate it. Uh, How do you know what your ideal race weight is, and how long before a race should I be at that weight? Oof! This is such a common. So touchy. Yes, it's super touchy. It's super controversial, and it's very common. So I want to say 
Okay, there's a lot. I also think it's different for, there's different levels of um, trickiness and accuracy, not accuracy is not the right word, like how finite the number is. I yes. So I'm going to- tr- running versus cycling. I'm going to try to cover like this in, and try to hit on a little bit of everything. And it's hard to cut, because this is actually, it seems like such an easy, straightforward question. It is not. No. There are so no. many, <laughs> so many factors that go into this. So first, if you are a beginner to like new amateur age group athlete, you need to be worried about being a healthy weight. So if you are getting into exercise because you're overweight, your goal is to main, like obtain and maintain a healthy weight and not be concerned with a race weight. If you are a elite professional, then yes, getting to a quote unquote race weight can definitely be helpful for performance, um, especially in, you know, weight driven sports like running and triathlon and cycling, triathlon to a lesser extent, I think, but definitely running and cycling. Um, So what is that race weight? There are equations. So you can look up the equation. I'm not going to say a math problem on here because that's super boring, but there is kind of, (laughs) right? So, you know, you can look that up and it does take into account your goal weight, your current weight, your current lean body mass. You have to know your fat percentage and to know that you have to have an accurate fat percentage. So not what your scale at home is telling you, but like you have to go to a lab, do a DEXA or a BOD pod, um, and then your goal body fat percentage. And that'll tell you like what your technical race weight should be. And while that gives you a number and that can be kind of helpful to shoot for, just kind of know what your body can handle or could should technically weigh at a leaner weight that doesn't mean like that is just the number that does not take into account how you're going to feel at that weight and not everyone feels good or performs well at that number some can feel great a little bit lower and some are going to feel great a little bit higher and it does depend on what sport you're doing so And how much muscle you need for that sport. Like running, you can get away with a little bit less muscle weight. You can get away with weighing a little bit less. Whereas cycling, you're not going to want to be that thin unless you're climbing, like exclusively. But you can definitely get away with having a little bit more weight on your body and still performing really well. Because you need that extra, you know, mass in your glutes and your quads to propel the bike forward. Um, but ironically, I feel like also, like, you know, you said, yeah, you can get away with carrying a bit more weight on the bike, but you can also, I think it becomes a very fine line when you've found, like, aside from any magic formula, I just learned over time when I was a runner, what weight I raced best at without tipping into the danger zone of being underweight and becoming fragile And I feel like the tricky thing with it is you're right. You can get away with a bit more on the bike. You can also get away with a bit less because if you're, if you're, if you're racing too underweight, I mean, inevitably, if you're racing underweight, if you're not fueling yourself properly, if you're malnutrition, malnutritioned, (laughs) if you're 
whatever yeah you know what mm-hmm. i'm trying to say it will catch up with you quicker as a runner so it's like you can get away with both you can get away with being a bit heavier than an ideal race weight on the bike you can also get away with overdoing right it on that the bike. is true obviously i'm not advising that but i'm just saying you see people that you're like wow if that was a runner, they would, ha- how come this person hasn't broken already? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, because they're not pounding their bones, they're cycling. And sadly you can get away, away with it. Right. That. There's less impact. So that's going to, at least in the injury department, you're going to be a little safer in that regard. If you're towing that line of underweight or, you know, a weight that is too light for your personal health, Um, so a race weight should be a healthy weight. You never want to go into that state of being malnourished, being overly depleted at the same time. And I think this is coming up a lot more with e-racing too, that you can, there's a big difference. And I like that this person asked like how long before a race, because there is a, your race weight is not your normal weight. It is not your off-season weight. It is not your in-season weight. It is a race. So for a race. So pick your target race. And that is the race that you are targeting a weight for. So in cycling, you know, it might be worlds. And you're going to get to that weight for that race. Or, you know, for men, when they're riding in France, that might be their lowest weight of the year for that race because it's so grueling. They need to make every sacrifice and get every little inch out of performance that they can. So it is a targeted thing. It is not, oh, I'm going to be at my lowest weight and stay this because I have a race in May and then one in June and then August and September. Like that is not how race weight works. It is pick your target, your A race, and then that's the one where you're going to get down to that race weight for. And with that, and with like the e-racing, it is, you know, there is less risk to your health for acute, very temporary, short-term measures of weight depletion compared with that extended long-term year-round season long weight or calorie restriction so that means like you know we all are familiar with like wrestlers and sweating it out before they have to weigh in for a match right because it's a weight class so they tend to you know not drink water for hours sweat and jog around in like plastic bags and not eat anything that has like heft to it because it's not actual weight. It's just what's weighing in on the scale that day. Right. So doing those things while they sound very extreme, it's very extreme for a very short time period. Um, I used to be a pole vaulter in high school and I remember, you know, not drinking water all day and jogging laps around the hot track in Nevada's desert so that I could go weigh in and make sure that I use the pole that I trained with, you know, because if you weighed in a pound heavier, you were in the next pound, the next weight class up of poles. And that makes a huge difference. So, you know, if I'm training on a 120 pole and then I go weigh in on 121 and they hand me a 125 pole, that's not going to work. So, 
they give you like a couple hours and you have to go lose that weight. So you go to the restroom, you jog it off, you know, dehydrate yourself a little bit. Is that great? No. But is doing that for a couple hours going to really hurt your health? Probably not. Probably right. Not. The, the risk is very low because you're going to be able to, as soon as you weigh in, go eat, right? Or go drink that water. It's just like you bring up e-racing and obviously, I mean, for anybody who maybe doesn't know listening to this podcast, I mean, if it hasn't become clear already, I'm a big proponent of Zwift. I won the Zwift Academy. It gave me two years of pro cycling experience. I love Zwift. I do work for Zwift now. But it, the weigh-in thing, well, I completely support it, understand it, know it's necessary. It's also scary because I have just watched people. You can see when they have to, they require weigh-ins for the higher level races because people could easily just put in a fake weight because it's virtual. So they require weigh-in videos, but you see some people that the longer they race on Zwift, suddenly you can look at their profile and see their weight just drop consistently and right it is definitely a problem and and it's yeah it is and I, I completely agree it's I mean just like any sport that is dependent on weight it makes sense there is there is a reason they're not just having you weigh in just because they want to know how much you weigh it definitely makes a difference to the performance in a big way but it is just like you I mean it's easy to see if you follow some riders on social media or in you know their Zwift racing careers it's a dangerous thing and I definitely think some support needs to be out there to assist these athletes with this change because you don't have that in a normal like outdoor cycling race we don't have to get on the scale before we line up and start racing I mean you can if you want to but it is not required no one's writing it down no one is like your performance isn't going to be as affected if you weigh a pound more or less for that particular race. And it will, if you are doing the e-race. So it is definitely something that makes a difference. And that's why you're seeing the riders like lose more and more weight. Um, It's, it is concerning and it needs to be, one of those things where you just balance your health with (laughs) how, how, I don't know how much you want to perform, but it's your health should always come first because you can only sustain a consistent drop in weight for so long and have good performance until your body is like, both experts in yeah. overdoing that. <laughs> We've Absolutely. both been there. And I, it's great for a very short time. And then you're just like, dang, this yes. sucks. It's, it'll come back at you for sure. And that's why I really want to emphasize that it is a specific metric for performance to target a specific performance. So it shouldn't be, oh, um, this is my race weight for every e-race that happens weekly. It should be, this is my A race of the year, or maybe twice a year at most, and you know, and then so complicated is with the e-racing. It's like, yeah, there's bigger, more important races and races that actually have money. But if you want... There's races every single day. So I think it's like yeah, it's kind constant. of a word of advice out there that I'm sure if you're caught up in it, you're going to ignore, ignore, ignore me. But <laughs> be careful with every aspect of that. 
You know, it's like if you want, okay, if you're going to world championships, if you're in the Premier League and you have a specific race you want to target, sure, you can go with a slightly, trying to target a slightly lower weight, but you can't just keep that and keep racing week in and week out. And I understand that it would be hard if you've lost this weight, like, oh, and you had this fabulous race and to have to put your weight back up, but your body cannot sustain being underweight for an extended period of time. So please take care of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Take care of yourself. Try to maintain a health that is still a race weight. And also, I know you mentioned this before, and it's super important. Your race weight isn't just a specific number, and that's always going to be your race weight. It's going to change and really take into account how you feel at different weights, because you might be surprised at how well you perform at a weight that is a little higher because you have the energy and pounds the, of power. Yes. Like you're, you're just going to be a little bit better and more well-equipped to handle the effort. And I know when I first got into marathon running, I thought my race weight was like 115 and I would, you know, really try to get down as low as I could because it felt so good for a while. And then yeah. that did not work for very long. And I came back from an injury after wearing a boot for three months, you know, and I was probably, I think like 125. So it was a big weight difference. And I got my PR of a sub three marathon at a weight that I never thought I could run well at. So you could really surprise yourself your body can perform at a variety of weights if you are healthy, if you are training well, if, you know, you are in a, a good physical spot. So I don't think that race weight is going to be your, you know, race weight should only be your focus if you're doing everything right and you are at that, like, elite pro status and you are trying to, like, win gold, you know? And another thing to that point, too, is that – um I mean, I understand, especially if you're, if you're lift racing, if you're rowing, if there are certain sports where it's required, you, you can't avoid a scale, but if you find yourself falling into those mindsets of, you know, you get on the scale and God forbid it's one, three, or if you're a female, especially it can be seven pounds heavier than the day before. If it's just your time of the month, like if you don't have to weigh yourself and you find it problematic for your mind maybe try to ditch the scale because if you're eating healthy if you're training smart if you're getting adequate rest your body will it will regulate itself to the weight that it's supposed to be if you're doing those things right and if you're not you know it if you're a competitive athlete if you're just like oh I eat really healthy but you have cake every night or you have beer <laughs> every night like you know what you're doing or on the flip change. side, if you are saying, oh, I eat really healthy, but then you're struggling to sleep, you're struggling with energy levels during the day, you know, there are a lot of athletes who also associate that healthy diet with too healthy and too restri restricted of a diet. And that can be another flip side as well. So race weight, you know, be careful with it. If you want to experiment with it, work with a professional, reach out, I can help you get there but we're going to do it in a way that focuses on health first and focuses on race weight as a temporary performance metric and not the weight you should be all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know what? I think we've 
damn near knocked this episode out of the park. I think so too. Those are some great answers. I think we nailed it. <laughs> Let's pat ourselves on the back. I know. <laughs> hey, look, we need a win this week. You well, actually, what? we got we... a big win um, this week, in my opinion. But still, it's still been rough. It's it's just a it's just a weird time. It's a weird it's time. A weird I think time. that no matter where, and we really won't lunge into a politic talk here. But I think that no matter which side that you're on, I I know there's been some celebrations for Biden supporters and some upset Trump supporters and then there's been people who are just like oh the vote's going to get changed I just I feel like there's some but for me personally regardless of who I voted for I was just like I'm most happy just for it to be over and I feel like there's been a bit of disappointment for me that it's it's not over and I feel like it's not like I thought there was going to be some magic like the world's going to be happy if a, B, or C happens, but I just feel like there is still a lot of stress. Yeah, it's, it's definitely an ongoing situation. I I personally feel a big relief just just in listening to messages from someone who speaks with a little bit more calm and logic in my mind, which <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to speak for everyone. I'm not going to name names here, but I... <laughs> it makes me feel a lot better and like at peace with things that are happening when I'm like, okay, I feel like this person at least has a grip on how to handle it or acknowledges, you know, science or whatever. So I, I do feel good about that. I feel like we're headed in a good direction, but it is going to be a battle for a little bit. And that is a little frightening, a little concerning. Um, so, yeah, definitely that on top of all the COVID, which is getting worse and an ongoing situation, I think we all need to give ourselves an extra rest day, eat an extra cookie, like just take care of yourselves, talk to a friend, listen to a recommend this podcast. podcast to a friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we crack ourselves up. <laughs> <laughs> But seriously, guys, we are thrilled to have you with us. Um, so send in your questions. Follow us on social media. Um, yeah, yeah, you can, and you can we'll... find Lori um, on Instagram at, at Hungry for Results. You can find me at, at Leah Thorvalson. It's actually spelled just how it sounds. Um, and you can send the questions to us personally, or you can send them to basically at expertspod at gmail.com or basically expertspod on instagram any of those places will get your questions and clearly from tonight's chat you can send us questions about anything we only yeah we'll answer it experts in certain things we're happy to talk about everything else (laughs) it's very true all right guys we will see you again next week have a good one bye oh that was good good.